Yo, what's going on? You're checking out the Barber Life Podcast, hosted by Jake Cuts Fresh. You want any more information or any more topics, you can check me out at jakecutsfresh.com, and you can always hit me up on Instagram, Twitter. It's at Jake underscore Cuts underscore Fresh. Always appreciate the attention, and if I could, ask you to share this with a friend or review the podcast. It helps us get more out there and help more people reach more people. Much appreciated. My guest on this episode is a cat that I met through Twitter because of barbering. He is a youth leader in Washington, D.C. He is a hip-hop producer. He is a marriage counselor. He is a leader of men. He also is a nasty-ass barber. So check him out. It's my man, Kill. Jake, what's up, baby? Hey, got you. All right, cool. Thanks for doing that that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's nothing, man. Thank you for having me on, man. Absolutely. Yeah, so this is a dope little app for me because I can just make them quick, like when I used to just record them by myself in the car for 20 minutes or whatever. Um, right. And then I can, like, now I can make a bunch of little segments that we're, we're making a segment right now. I can edit it however I want. And okay, bet. They just keep changing and adding great features. So, anyway, um, I got my intro on a separate section. So, basically, just want to get right into it, man. I had met you through Twitter. Um, right. Which, you know, people are like, oh, I hate Twitter. I don't use Twitter. It's like, dog, I made the best connections through Twitter in the last year. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. It's so crazy. So, um, what had – I think I just started following anybody talking about barbering whatsoever. And, right. Um, you know, fast forward a little bit, talking to you a little bit, come to find out you uh, run men's groups, you help people with their marriages. I'm like, oh, this is like the, the DC version of me or the Philly, <laughs> the Philly version of me. This is bizarre, man. You know, like, right. And uh, so I just thought we connected really well on that level. And then we, then you started having me on your podcast, which I've plugged a few times on this cast. And, um, you know, so it's just been, it's just been good. So I want to have you on. So I want to welcome once and for all my man, Kill. What's going on? Oh, man, everything is great, man. It's just a blessing to be on here with you, man. I appreciate the invite. Absolutely, absolutely. So where are you at right now? I, I know you said you had a conference and this and that. And I'm, all, I'm in Cleveland, bro. I thought I was in Chicago, man. <laughs> My brain. I'm getting, yo, I, I'm ordering pizza here. Like, yo, I got to get Chicago pizza. My homegirl, like, bro, we in Cleveland. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, so I'm in Cleveland right now, man. Are they uh, sad? Is it is the the scent of LeBron James still in the air, or is it? <laughs> nah, it seems it seems quiet right now. It's, a, it's an Indians game, so you yeah. know everybody hears what the Indian stuff on. Ah, uh, okay. But, yeah, but yeah, I would come to Cleveland after LeBron's gone. So I know. <laughs> only the, only my luck, right? I know. Well, you got to be excited on some level because that opens it up for Philly big time in the yeah. East. I'm very excited. Me and you will be having battles uh. for many. Years come prayerfully so i'm already threading I'm, I'm, it yeah <laughs> super, yo you know the point the funny part is bro i'm excited about it because it's basketball you right, know what i mean right. like, that's that's like when y'all won this year like y'all deserve to win everything that y'all had coming y'all y'all coach is a freaking genius yeah, thank you. you know what i mean so even though we took the l to y'all i just love competitive basketball yeah you know what i mean so that's what i'm excited for man that, I, that's what i'm really excited for yeah me too man i i get you know, the off-season gets a little boring, um, but luckily I got, you know, being a barber, I mean, I just, <laughs> it's, it comes up so much, man. I'm able to talk exactly. to all day long. And, and some of these younger kids, man, are, are freaking me out with what they know about the history of the NBA to now, and they get me excited about the NBA again because sometimes I'm like an old-school fool and I get upset. I get like, eh, you know, eh. I watch, you know, <laughs> you know Larry Legend highlights, and I'm like, ah. NBA sucks yeah, now, bro. but you know what? It, <laughs> exactly. It gets me excited still, man. I still love to watch it. So, um, yeah. all right. So, so this is the other funny thing about you and I is that I'm over here. So I just started connecting with mad people on Twitter, like, like in the past 18 months, right? Just especially for barbering. Mm-hmm. And, and I talk to this cat toot all the time. Um, oh yeah. Toot is my man. Yeah. So I found that out and I, and no, AJ was the one I was like, yo, you guys know each other. I'm like, what? Like yeah, we grew yeah. up together. Yeah, I'm like, man. Yeah. Shout out to AJ at the um stadium, man. And I'm I gotta have I, I was next. just with him. I was just with him last week. Uh, man. So it was just like why it's just funny how it all works. Like Philly Cats, to me, I always liked Philly because 
Well, for one, I started liking Philly because my aunt and uncle lived outside of Philly when I was a kid, and I loved Charles Barkley, man. I still <laughs> love Charles Barkley to this day. I... That's my dude. He's such an ass, and he's so just himself 100% of the time. He's the most hip-hop person in the NBA. Right. You know, so, um, so yeah, so always like that. And then as I started kind of listening to a lot of hip-hop and realized that Philly was sort of slept on like I felt Boston was slept on. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, Schoolie D and then the roots is like all I know. Like, <laughs> like, right. You know, right. And right. So and then and then Freeway obviously really was incredible to me. And um, and then I went to a hair show in New York probably in 2006 ish, 2005. I forget when it was. But and I met these cats from Philly and they had these crazy beards and they, mm-hmm. they and they had the, um, the Beijing. Right, and right, just right. never seen that. So to me, it was like a game changer there. So I'm like, man, Philly cats just are different. And uh, even like in graffiti, like you can tell a Philly style graffiti. It's just like, yeah. And then you know, fast forward up, I don't know, 15 years, 10, 10 years. I'm connecting with dudes on Twitter, and it just happens to be all Philly cats. And and I don't want to be the token white guy. I want to be like, hey, you're <laughs> and you're from Philly. Do you know this guy too, who's also from right, Philly? right, 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 right. But you do. You know what I mean? That's- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like I always tell people, man, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe everything, you know, happens for a reason. You know what I mean? So, like I said, when you was like, yo, you know, AJ, I'm like, yeah, that's my man. Like, you know what I mean? His barbershop is literally a block away from my mother's house. Like, Like, how the hell? (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. It's a small world, man. You would think with social media became even bigger, but. You know, I always feel like for good dope people, it got even smaller. Yeah. You know, for everybody else, it got bigger. But for real dudes, it got smaller and, you know, we're able to connect. And, you know, even with my podcast, people be like, oh, man, you know, I want to come on there. But you and all your boys from Philly. I'm like, yo, I've never met half of these people face to face in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so but the connection is just there through the love of hip hop. And like you said, sports or barbering or whatever that you would think, you know, these are catch. So that's that's a dope thing. Yeah, I think when you have those, especially just with music. You know, any kind of music, if you're really into a kind of music and you meet somebody else that's really into that kind of music, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you could you could have a Christian and a Satan worshiper. If you both like hip-hop, right, hip-hop. you're going to talk. If you both like Kenny G, you're going to talk. You right, know, like right, you're right. going gonna to find you're going to feel really good with that person because, you know, and, right. and, and I've shared on your podcast, you know, and I've on this podcast, my, my relationship with hip-hop is so... It, it's so indelible and it's so poignant that it really defines, you know, who I am. I, I, I sent you that video when I first recorded last year about just, right. I mean, without hip hop, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be cutting hair for one because I wouldn't have seen the dope styles that I wanted to have. And I wouldn't have met my wife because I was, I met her when I was promoting my first album. You know what I mean? Like, it right. like yeah. hip hop just took my hand and led me down the path. And that's why I really believe that God, create a hip-hop when i really look at it like I, it came from nothing it's it's a rejoiceful right. thing that came from absolute dog shit you know and it's just like man I, I could go on forever about that but anyway so you're from philly but you live in dc is yeah. that correct well live in maryland work in dc okay, uh, okay. Yeah. work in yeah. dc and so um your job what, what what is your job title i mean i know what you do but what's your job title and explain to people like what what you what your day-to-day looks like there and um and why why you like it all right um my job title is family engagement manager and basically i work for a nonprofit horton's kids has been around for about 28 29 mm. years now and um we work in the dc neighborhood dc is broken down into quadrants northwest northeast southeast and okay. southwest um, and Southeast has always kind of been like the hood. Southwest used to be the hood. They, you know, they just redid everything over there, put the national stadium over there. So now Southwest is the place to be, you know, same thing with Northeast. Uh, but Southeast has always kind of been, you know, what they call East of the River. So, um, you know, it's a lot of nonprofits in D.C., maybe 200 plus, but maybe only 50 of them are East of the River. Okay. You know what I mean? So, um I'm over in Southeast every day. My day every day is is different. You know, I get into the hood. I check in with my boss. We'll chop it up about what's going on, if anything happened the night before in the neighborhood. And then I start just reaching out to my families. You know, um, one of the biggest things I've always 
said in nonprofits that people make the mistake of wanting to work with kids, but they never want to work with the family. Okay. You know, so you could pour into this kid all day long, you know, forever. But if you keep sending them back home to a dysfunctional household, it's a waste of time, really. You know, so right. I stepped with my boss about, you know, um, you know, just seeing my passion and wanting to work with the families and everything like that. And, you know, she kind of made this new position for me to really start engage, you know, start getting with the families. Wow. Um, and then, I'm sorry. We I said, that? wow, that's good. Yeah. So um, and then one of the men, we it was an organization concerned black men um, that used to do men's groups but they lost their funding and some of the men in the neighborhood kind of stepped to me like, you know, kill, would you be willing to lead the group? And I was like, hell yeah. Like I'd love to, you know? Yeah. So um, it just gives me an opportunity to just, you know, kind of, you know, I've been blessed because growing up in Philly, bro, I can count how many times I should have been dead, locked up, everything, you know, and through the grace of God, I'm still here. And, you know, it was just like, I want to be able to, you know, when I was growing up, a lot of stuff I did out of ignorance. You know what I mean? And I just wanted to make sure that these kids, you know, and a lot of my kids make the same mistakes I did. But the biggest difference is I always tell them you can never say you didn't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, So that's like my key every day. So I've got kids who are locked up for murder, but they can't say, oh, I didn't know. I didn't, you know, Mr. Kilden try to provide me an outlet this way. You know, I offer free studio time for good grades and not just good grades, like honor roll grades. I mean, if you, if you got an F and you bring it up to a D free studio, you know, you know, so it's not even about honor roll and you got to have all A's. If you just show me that you're working, trying to do better, free studio time, free haircuts. I'll teach you how to make beats, teach you how to do a video shoot. I'll teach you how to do damn near anything you want to do, you know, just to try to give them that off, you know, because, that wasn't me as a kid. Everybody isn't this educated dude like, yo, just go to school. Or, yeah. You know, I understand everybody. That's not everybody's thing. So even when I started this job, some of the people were like, well, how are you going to get all these guys out here on the corner, you know, to go to college? And I said, they may not want to go to college. Maybe they want to be mechanics. Maybe they <laughs> want to, you know, be something else. You know, like we, everybody doesn't have to go to college. You know, I have friends who didn't go to college making much more money than me, you know, so at the end of the day, it's like taking the time to even ask people, like, what do you want to do? You right. know what I mean? So, um, and it's the same with the families. You know, I'm in Southeast, I'm in the hood. So, you know, we got a lot of parents who may only be 15 years older than their kids. <laughs> you know, wow. so yeah. these parents still have dreams. You know, it's, you know, these, they, they still have stuff they want to do. So, you know, while I'm teaching the kid how to, there's times I've been teaching a kid and a parent how to do the same thing as far as video production. Right. You know, so, you know, just so that's kind of like what my everyday is, like. wow. you know, just kind of around the hood. I have a caseload of parents that I check in with, making sure they're good if they need help with resume writing. If they need me to do a cover letter, you know, sometimes they may need me to take them to the doctor or whatever. You know, I'm just kind of like, uh, you know, my, my sister messing with me. She called me. Uh, she calls me a nanny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she like you the hood nanny, you know. So, you know, but um, that's that's kind of what it's like. So every day is different. Yeah. You know? I may get a phone call at six in the morning. Yo, such and such. My son got locked up. Can you meet me down at the courthouse? Boom. I'm at the courthouse, you know? So another day, you know, I'm trying to, one of my kids, he just graduated in DC since it's not a state, they give you $10,000 to go to school. Um, So I was trying to help one of my kids get with his mom and get all their tax information ready to get what they call DC tag. They give you $10,000 to go to college. Um, Yeah. So I was trying, you know, I spent, two three days trying to get you know get all that stuff straight so yeah like i said every day is a different day bro yeah that's so that's pretty incredible man um you're like uh more like a hood angel kind of like kinda like <laughs> like, like yeah, looking yeah. after you looking know after, my sister just got a mess with yeah me. yeah yeah and it's it's funny um one day this dude um long story short this it was a situation where one of my boys laid hands on one of the men in my men's group's stepdaughter mm-hmm. And, you know, as soon as I heard about it, you know, I went to his house, kind of talked to him about it, you know, um, and maybe a week later, he pulled up on me. He was like, yo, kill, man, you an angel. Like, you know, I was going to go kill that dude, you know, and, and, and you talked me out of it. I was like, all right, hold on, hold on. Call him. Let me get my boss on the phone. I want her to hear this, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's the type of stuff that sound good in the, in, the, in the, you know, you tell your boss, like, this dude really call you an angel? Like, nah, like, you need to hear this firsthand and that's the whole thing man it's just trying to give people 
you know, a lot of times I tell everybody when I'm in the hood, I look at everything on a scale of one to 10. You know what I mean? Even if, you know, I'm just always trying to move you up that scale. So even if you a parent and you are one and you suck, I'm just trying to get you to a two. You know what I mean? And, you know, just take them steps. You know, we can't, I can't think I'm going to take you from a one to a 10. Like if you've been the worst parent for 10 years, I'm not going to be able to get you to be, you know, father of the year in that way, the way we'll look at it. But as long as, you know, six months or eight months from now, you know, you're no longer a one, you're a three, you know, that that's good money for me. That That's an achievement. I like that, man. I'm going to have to adopt that a little bit because I have trouble with that when I try to help people because I do a similar thing just in a different area, right? I right. help a lot of people get through issues, um, mostly marriage and relationship stuff or a lot of self-esteem, confidence stuff. I notice a lot of men that sit by chair, their stories about themselves, the way they portray themselves is really dead wrong. It's like, right. it's like we kind of formulate these stories or they're formulated for us because somebody you love and trust that told you you weren't anything or you whatever right. and you believed them or whatever the case um i find that if i don't get them right to a 10 within a few months and i feel like damn what a failure you know what i mean and, and so i think that's kind of yeah. interesting right now man i gotta kind of i gotta i'm gonna listen to that a couple times play this back because I, I think i need to be on more like that because i really enjoy yeah so saying so that's another reason we connected right because i sent you a personal message on, on twitter been like yo man i see what you're doing i love it please keep going i don't know you you don't right. know me but yo this is like you, what you do is truth. And I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So and real quick on, on that note too, on what you were saying, one of the things I had to do with my tutors and I had to realize myself is that really all we're doing is planting seeds. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because if you think like my tutors will come in and be like, all right, well, killed his kids in ninth grade and he's reading on a fourth grade level. And by the time I'm done with him this year, he'll be reading on a 12th grade level. And it's like, if you believe that, you're already setting yourself up to fail because there's no way that this kid is going from a fourth grade reading level to a 12th grade reading level in a year. Like, I don't care how great of a teacher you are, yeah. you know, and on top of that, my volunteers aren't even teachers. So, but it's like, just understand that you're planting seeds. So, you know, you know, like the biblical principle of some people plant, some people water, some people harvest, mm -hmm. like the seeds you're planting are dope. And maybe somebody else will come along and be like, man, my man Jake was telling me that, like, and then they start piecing it together. You know what I mean? But a lot of times we want to be the ones to harvest. We want to be the ones that we may not even see that these kids are going to succeed. You know, we may, because I've been working with, with kids in Southeast D.C. for 18 years, it's been a blessing wow. that I can see some of the kids I had in 2000, you know, who were six, who are now adults, to be able to be like, oh, Mr. Kill, what you said, da, 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 da. You know, so a lot of times we won't even see the harvest of what we're planting, but just knowing that if you're planting those seeds, that it'll come. Yeah. See, I see, and you know what? Just hearing it is a good reminder because I know that, you know, but I do get frustrated when you help people and they're like, yeah, I need this help, and you help them, and then they go right back to what they were doing. And, uh, right. and then they come back to you six months later or a year later, like, yo, I really need that help again. And, okay, okay. And then you're right back after three months and then it's like, all right, man. So I've done all I can do. Like, have you ever had to have that point? Like, have you ever, I'm not saying give up on dudes, but just, just be like, all right, look, I have nothing new to offer the situation. I have nothing more. I can give you no more tools. I think we can try to help you find somebody else or you just got to like work with what I gave you. You know, you want to know the wild part. What I do sometimes be when I sit down and talk to somebody, I'll just audio record it on my phone. And when they call me like in six months, I'm like, dog, here, just listen to the same shit again. This <laughs> is the same thing again. Like, I'm not even wasting my time with you, yeah. dog. Just here, listen back to this again, because I'm going to tell you the exact same thing. And I think the huge thing is, and again, in doing this work for so long, it's kind of like to kind of keep my sanity, you know, to be able to be a good husband and a, and a good father to my daughter is, you know, I've had to learn to, like, kind of keep work at work, you know, and even the younger people who I work with is kind of trying to work with them to understand that, look, my job is just to provide you with the tools. It's the same as a parent. You know, it's just my job as a parent is to provide my daughter with the right tools. Is she going to make the right decisions all the time? No. Is she going to, you know, make all, you know, dot all the T's? I mean, um, dot all the I's and cross all T's? No. But I just want to make sure that I've equipped her with what she needs. Right. You know, so when I started to look at it like that, it was like, okay, cool. So that's really my job is just to equip you, to just give you more tools in your toolbox, you know? Right. So sometimes it's like, you know, just 
lowering our expectations of it being like, you know, like I've always said, like I said, dog, I got four of my kids locked up right now, you know, but the great thing about it is I'm able to look myself in the mirror every day and say, you know what? I have no regrets. Like I've offered them. It's not like for one of those four kids, I could be like, man, if I would have just done this or if I would have just done that or right. There's literally none of that. Like, like, it's like I gave them every chance that I could to, you know, help them. And for some people, you know, like it's one of my favorite TV shows, The Wire. Like, you know, one of one episode of season one, Levy the Lawyer was like, you know, you won in the game so bad, you win it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you wanted that street rep so bad. Well, you got it. Too bad's gonna come with twenty five to life. But, you know, you you got what you yeah. wanted. You know, so yeah, man. So that's I, I like this, man. I'm gonna have to listen to this a few times because because I, I hit these points and I'm I'm if I'm being honest, I'm str- I'm at that point right now. Where I'm struggling with like, all right, who should I help? Who should I not help? And I kind of get in that 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 mindset, and and then I get rejuvenated. I spend I spend a good amount of time. As I share with a lot of my listeners in the morning, I spend a good amount of time reading scripture and in prayer. Now, am I a perfect Christian? Absolutely not. I swear, right. drink a smoke. <laughs> like, I'm, but, bro, same thing with me. I'm like, please excuse my mouth. Yeah. You know, don't let that be a representation of of God. But yeah, I feel you, man. We all struggle. Yeah. Man. One of the best one of the best things I had to learn about being saved and being a Christian is is, is that Diane McClurkin song, "We Fall Down But We Get Up." Like. You know, and I remember before I got saved, I would look at my wife when we was just friends who was saved. And like one day she cursed somebody and I was like, see, look at you. You Christians ain't no better than da 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 And I'm, I'm going on her and everything mm-hmm. like that. And it wasn't until I got saved that really the only difference is we fall down. We just try to get back up, you know, just trying to better yourself. But if, if people's expectations are we're perfect, well, then, you know, we gonna always let folk down because nobody's perfect. Yeah, I, you, know, so. you know, I feel as though that they're... The out so a non-believer's expectation maybe isn't that we're perfect. I think our expectations, and I'm just gonna rope us both into this. Our right, expectations right, right. is that they should be perfect. And what I learned a while ago was that, and this is really from a lot of the training I did with my men's group, is that I can't hold anybody accountable to an oath that they didn't take. Like I right. can't do that. Like I do what I do. I live how I live. My wife lives how she lives. Um, my barbers live how they live. Like people do stuff for their own reasons. So, you know, I try to find out what's important to people and get in their life. And then they start to see, how do you do this? You know, I, I get that. How do you have so much compassion in you? And that's what I'm like, boom, it's from God. And it's right. not, it's right. not like, Hey, listen, I think you guys should go to church. I think you, and it's none of that. I don't, I'm not trying to sell you on nothing. I don't care what you believe. I, I, I care what happens to you tomorrow. So how can I help right. today? And, um, you know, when, when I was the reason I started talking about this whole thing is because when I was a youth leader in the church, I always I, I, I knew that I couldn't help or save any kids. You know what I mean? And it, it was in a high, uh, high middle to high class, like an upper middle class area of Massachusetts that their kids like some of the problems that they had were like that they didn't get a Beamer. They got a Buick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Got a Buick, a brand new Buick for their first car. And all their friends have Beamers and they're going to get laughed at. That was an unrelatable problem to me, you know? Right. And some of the parents asking me, like, I caught my son smoking cigarettes. Like, what should I do? I'm like, tell him to stop. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, can you talk to him? Because I don't know. I'm like, maybe your son is doing stuff behind your back because you have strangers talk to him about important shit. Right. Why don't, why don't you just talk to him? Like, if he's smoking crack, get at me. But if, he, <laughs> if he's smoking a cigarette, just tell him to cut out because he's going to kill. He's paying money to kill himself. You know, and oh, yeah. So anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. What I was trying to do is create like a lighthouse, like right. just create something that you're going to go like, wow, you know what? When I was 19 or when I was 17, I remember this guy at the church had mentioned this and, and it kind of keeps you close to the shore or keeps you far enough off the shore, whatever a lighthouse is going to do for you. But it keeps you noticing how far away you are either way. You know? Right. Um, yeah, that's dope. That's a dope analogy. So, man. so all right. So let's switch from that a little bit to talking about your music, man. Because here I am talking to you on, on Twitter about barbering and mentoring and all that stuff, and then and hip hop became obviously main context. And then like I, I started listening to your beats, I'm like yo. And then you got you got beats on MOP's album. You got beats with uh, Matthew Regazzano and um, 
some other cats that I that I that I had known, and a lot of some other cats that I had not known that I I really like now. Um, so talk to me about that. How long you been making beats and getting and doing production, all that stuff? God, I probably started making beats probably back in '95 when I was at Morgan State in Baltimore. I used to host a hip hop show from like '94 to 2000. Nice. And um, I used to the cat who I took over the show from was this cat named a kid called Roots, and um. He ended up doing production. He um, was doing a lot of production for like the rock, the rock, like during the early days, like um, like he did some Memphis Bleak joints. He did some uh, he did some source money. Source money has this album, bro, that never came out that I heard at Roots's house. Five mics crazy. The beats are crazy. I mean, source money is crazy. I'm, I'm begging Roots to let this thing leak after all this time. But um. You know, Roots um, kind of, you know, put me onto the production game and I got an ASR 10 in like 95 and started making beats. And then I got married in 2000 and I kind of fell back from like trying to push beats as much. And then, but I never stopped making beats. I mean, I love it. Like I'm the, I'm the dude who's like, you know, God could come down right now and be like, yo, you will never get on or be able to quit your job to make beats, you know, and I'm still going to keep making beats. Like nothing is going to change. for right. me. And then like in 2009, I went to this Joe button show, MOP show in Baltimore. And I love MOP. So I like, I left beat CDs on their like windshield wipers or their cars. <laughs> and I gave beat CDs to like everybody in their crew. And then like a year later, I'm listening to their foundation album and this song Rude Bastards comes on. And I'm like, yo, that's my fucking beat. Like, <laughs> not not the sample, but that's my beat. And um, it was crazy. That's and this is what I mean by everything happens for a reason, because, you know, I, I got online. I went on OK Play. I went on a couple of message um, boards and kind of posted the beats and everything. And um, it was this website. Oh, God, what was the name of this website? Um, I forgot the name. God, I forgot the name. Um, Kevin Nottingham. Kevin Nottingham picked up on the story. Mm. And it was crazy. He hit me up like, yo, your story brought so much traffic to my website. Like, the server went down. Oh, you know? wow. And, <laughs> and like, like, in, like, 24 hours, he knew people with MOP. So, like, in 24 hours, on, I was on the phone with Fame. And it was like, yo... No disrespect, you know, we got your beat CD from um, Fox, or, you know, our homegirl who manages producers. We thought it was one of her producers, so we was going to take care of that later. He was like, I didn't even know that they they labeled me as the producer. So it's one of those joints that, and then I eventually got on the phone with their manager, Lazy Lays, and Lazy was like, look, bro, you know, you get more love out here in these streets from this story than if you would have just got the credit in the first place, you know? True. So, um. You know, that that was like, and from that, that's kind of what got me on Twitter. That's what got me on social media. That's what got me starting my website. So that's what I always mean. Like, I'll, I'm the one, if you work with people who are constantly, you know, in the hood and have bad situations, you know, you've got to try to find a way to put a positive spin on it or you'll lose your mind. Right. You know what I mean? So for me, it's like in any bad situation, I have to look at the positive. So people are like, oh, you should sue MOP. And I'm like, so I could get, you know, so I could go down in hip hop history as the person who sued MOP, like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, and then I'm like, on top of that, people love this all about suing. I'm like, dog, I don't have money for no lawyer right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, even if I sue MOP, this ain't Jay-Z. Like, I don't know. How, you know, I may not even break even on this, you know, and then have the black eye as, oh, you the dude. So, yeah, you know, for me, yeah. right. You know what I mean? So for me, I was just like, yo, it was a dope situation. Um, for me, in, in, in all the situations that I've ever heard about beat jacking, this is the only situation I've ever heard where the peop where the, the the person said, "Yo, I didn't do the beat; it was kill." Like, right? You know, like you can Google this story, and it's it's no, you know, any other time it's like, "Oh, Dre stole my beat," and it's like, "No, Dre, no." I, like this was like, "Yo, this was a mistake. Kill did the beat." Yeah, you know. It, it, it's whatever I'm you know famous like yo I'm a producer I would never want somebody to jack me and that's like I said what got me started on Twitter and I got you know so many producers was like yo just getting at me like yo my beat got stolen it was crazy here just how many people get jacked <laughs> you know yeah. it, it's kind of sad but it was kind of like you know wow so again it was a bad situation but at the end of the day I made an MOP album and 
if that never happened, I probably would have never met you because I wouldn't have even got on Twitter. Right. And, and that's what showed me. Because before that situation, I literally used the internet just for email and download music. You know, like, but after that situation, it was like, because my man hit me the day it happened. He was like, yo, man, this is going to blow up. And I'm like, don't nobody care about this shit. And then two days later, I'm on the phone with Fame. Mm. Like, and I've got producers from different countries emailing me. Like, and that's when I really understood, like, wow, this is really the World Wide Web. Like, yeah. you can connect with anybody. You know, I wasn't on Black Planet. I wasn't on MySpace. I wasn't on none of that. Like I said, email, download music. That's That was what the internet was for. So, you know, but after that, that's what just kind of, like, took things off. And, and like you were saying about Twitter earlier, Bro, I've made not only great connections on Twitter, good money on Twitter. I made great friends on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, for real. More important and to me, that's even more important than the money and the beats and all that. It's just the friendships, like me and you, like you know, the people who are on the podcast. Like I've met some incredible people on Twitter. You know, so I'm with you when people are like I don't like Twitter. I'm like, uh, well, that's on you because I I love Twitter. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I mean, you got to use it. I mean, it's Twitter itself to me is the is the actual social network. Right. It's not exactly. like Instagram is very good too, but like Twitter. To, to uh, I'm not trying to word this. It's your voice is in play, right? Like, right. like I was talking to Master Ace, like <laughs> right. This cat that I grew up listening to in my bedroom, like, and now I'm actually talking to him, like. He actually was tweeting back to me. Chuck D uh, followed me. I almost fell over. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. right. Ice T liked one of my tweets that I said about the Power album. I was like, "Oh my god, man, this is insane. This is really them, and they're checking." And so I always tell people it's basically like a huge ass party, and you can walk around the whole party. You can find the conversations you want to be in, and just get in them. Exactly. And that's it. Exactly. And if you if that's exactly. not important to you, then I understand. No problem. If you just want to look at pictures all day, you know, stick with Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And to me, IG is great for that. It's for the pictures, people who are visual. Facebook is for, to me, the people who, um, to me, maybe not necessarily very outgoing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they like to stay with the friends that they know, whereas I'm the total opposite. I'm like, I want to meet new people. Yep. I'm, I may have 800 friends on Facebook and maybe only 20 care about hip-hop the way I do. Right. So right. it's like, why would I be talking hip-hop with people who don't know hip-hop? You know, so, and I mean, just through Twitter... Dog, the the places like yo, I'm I'm on Twitter one day, I see a tweet. Who's better, just uh, uh, just Blaze or Timberland? I reply, um, Timberland because just Blaze bit Bink's whole style, talking about Bink who was down with Rockefeller, and I tagged Bink in it. Bink replied back to me like, oh yo, good looking for the shout out. I'm like yo, well, I got your attention. Yo, do me this justice. We just did a podcast about slept on producers and we named you. Check it out. Yo, next morning, my my inbox, my DMs, like, yo, I love the show. I'm with you on it. Yo, here's my number. Like, I'm on the phone with B for like, like three hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And next thing you know, he's like, yo, come down to my studio on VA. Next thing you know, I'm in the studio with Bink, like, yeah. through Twitter. You know, one of my homeboys got at me one day. I didn't know the dude. He was like, yo, I know you do documentaries. Can you give me some advice? I gave him the advice. He was like, yo, I like the hosting you do with your podcast. I'm doing a documentary on my cousin. Would you be down to host it? You know, it was X amount of dollars. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Who's your cousin? He was like, Chucky Thompson from, you know, Bad Boy. I'm like, yo, my dude, I love Chucky Thompson. <laughs> so two days later, I'm in the studio with Chucky Thompson. Like, yeah, man. you know, Grap Lover, some, one of my favorite MCs. is on my <laughs> podcast all the time through Twitter. OC from DIPC, same thing. Met him through Twitter. Tracy Lee from Philly. Met him through Twitter. He's been on the podcast. Please. Prince O from Organized Confusion. So it's like you said, to me, it's the one time that you can actually – you know, meet and conversate with people that share the same passions that you do. You know what I mean? So right. it, it's it's a great place, man. And like I always tell people, I get it. You may not be fit in, but yo, it, it's a great place to be, man. I, I agree with it, man. And I feel as though it's coming back. I noticed that they changed the classification to a news thing. I noticed that stock prices went up. I noticed that I'm getting a lot of notifications and this may be a play by Twitter, but Getting a lot of notifications. Yo, so and so tweeted for the first time in a while. So and so tweeted. I get these right. all the time, and I like. I'm starting to tell people like, "Oh, how'd you how'd you find out about that?" And it's either Twitter or Instagram. Twitter or Instagram. I'm like, just <laughs> like as business owner, especially 
Social is where it's at. Get on social media. You got to be on it if you want to connect. But let me take it back to since this is a Barber Life podcast and the main reason we had connected was just following barbers. Um, you are not formally trained barber. Is that correct or no? You nah, not, okay. not at all, man. Yet not you all. are nasty. So oh, thank you. <laughs> explain. Thank you. Explain. Well, first of all, one, so the main reason. I, this, this is why incredible. you are an incredible person to me, is that you are service-based 100%. Everything you do is based on service to us. You don't get paid to do your podcast. You put me on because no. we had a good discussion one day. I get yeah. the podcast, now I got all, you know, I'm getting a little accolades from that. Um, you take care of people. Uh, not You went and created a new position for yourself to help more people. I'm guaranteed to get more money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like No, it, yeah, exactly. And so... And so with this, and with this, uh, um, with this, with this cutting, I, when I saw that you did it as a reward for good yeah. behavior, I'm like, boom! That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly. Like, so walk me through that. That's like, so you have your own tools to do yourself, or did you cut hair in college, or it's like, how'd you get now, to the point where you're what, doing dope cuts for rewards? What happened was back in '88. Um, I'm in ninth grade and Philly was always been a big barbering city, you know, um, and, you know, I used to always certain things just amaze me like stuff I can't do. I'm amazed by. So, you know, I had this ill barber named Keith. I used to have a high top fade with all the parts and everything. And it mm-hmm. was just amazed me how he would cut me and everything. And then um, so I always had to like I'm always looking like, wow, how do they do that? You know, I want to learn one day. And then around 1990. The dark fade came in, which like most people just call a Caesar. You know, you throw the one guard on, it's just dark all over, mm-hmm. um, which was a huge change from Philly because everything was a fade. You know, it was about bald on the side. And right. to keep up, Philly was always about if you had a sharp haircut, then that meant you had money. Like that was uh-huh. like something that that meant something. And at the time, you know, I'm, I'm living with my mother. I don't want to bug her for more money to keep getting these haircuts every week and these shape-ups. So I was like, yo, I'm going to have to learn how to cut myself. So, I mean, through n- numerous fuck-ups and me fucking up numerous people in my <laughs> and myself, you know, eventually I got nice. Um, and I would probably say I probably got nice by the time I went to college. So it probably took me about two years to really get nice to where, like, I could make sure I was cut good. Um, anybody who was at Morgan in, in 92 or 93, if you were from Philly, I was cutting your hair, Philly, New York, um, a little bit of DC, you know, I was giving haircuts to everybody making a little side money doing that. Nice. And then, um, so it's always just been like a hobby. And then when I got to, um, Horton's kids where I work now, I kind of was like seeing a lot of my boys just weren't interested in getting good grades. Like I realized that I would be married 18 years this year. I realized that people have different definitions for the same words. Okay. So I would tell my kids, yo, I need you to get good grades. And they'd be like, Mr. Kill, look at my report card, good grades. And they'd be like all C's and D's. Mm-hmm. And I realized that their definition of good grades was whatever didn't get them in trouble in their house. Uh, so if okay. C's and D's were okay with their parents, then they were like, I got good grades. So I had to change it to scholarship grades. Like scholarship grades are A's and B's. Like I need scholarship grades but you know a lot of my kids were like i'm not really interested i just was thinking damn what would have got me interested in getting good grades as a kid you know and i was like man if keith would have been giving me free haircuts i would have been an all a student and i was (laughs) like you know what from now on if y'all get good grades you know boom and it started off as get on the honor roll and then after a while i realized nah, that ain't working you know so let me read let me go back and redo this like yo i don't care if you just pass a test i'll give you a free cut like it literally became just straight bribing and you know after a while like the kids would start getting better grades and they were like all right cool i don't mind cutting you because more than i'm getting something out of it too i'm keeping my skills sharp so it's not like you know i'm not getting something out of it it's like you know I'm I'm seeing little tools of the trade, you know, two AJ put me on a little tricks here and there. So I'm like, okay, boom, you know, I'll get the shape up sharper this way. You know, so um, you know, it 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 just really took off and it was just kids getting good grades. Or if you show me your report card and your attendance went up, just you doing anything good, like literally. And then it also gave me a chance to get into the to the young men's ears, you know, on just how to treat women and you know, like, oh, word, you got a girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, you know how to treat her? You know, 
or you know they'd be like oh yeah you know i got my girl and i got these two other girls and i'm like yo you know my dude if you ever bring your girlfriend through here i'm snitching on you like <laughs> like mr kill what you talking about you gonna snitch i'm like yeah i'm snitching on you because yo here's the thing you know if you want to date different women date them you know but don't call somebody wifey or that's my girl and you cheating on it like that's not yeah. cool you know i realized growing up in the hood a lot of men, we try to say, like, oh, yeah, that's it, don't fall. Because it was what I was taught by the dudes on my corners and my old heads, you know, don't be committed, don't fall in love, and, you know, that's all horrible advice. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's kind of like, yo, I was telling my man the other day, like, me and my dad, I didn't live with my dad, but he was in my life, and, you know, he was always on me for getting good grades, and I was like, yo, if my dad would have been on me to be a good boyfriend, like, if he was like, yo, I'm telling you now, if that's your girlfriend and I catch you with another girl in the car, boom, you ain't using my car no more. Mm. Like, if he would have been as hard on me on getting good grades as being a good boyfriend or being respectful to women, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I would have had a whole different run with women and things like that. Right. So I'm just trying to get these young men to understand because they look at me like, oh, kill you cool as hell, you this, you that. And I'm like, okay, cool. Because usually what it is is, you had these cornball dudes, you know, telling them that. They looking at you like, well, you just saying that because you couldn't get no ass back in the day or whatever, whatever. <laughs> you know, but I'm like, nah. Like, I'm telling them, like, they look at me and they're like, yo, kill, yo, when was the first time you shot a gun? I, I ain't never shot no gun. Word? <laughs> like, nah, that, that shit ain't cool, dog. I'm scared of guns. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, I just took my wife to a shooting range probably about a couple of months ago. That's the first time I shot a gun. Like, you know, and they're like, word, you ain't never had no gun in Philly. And I'm like, nah, because if you got a gun, you got to use the gun. And I ain't trying to go to jail, you know. So it's trying to get them to see that everything that they think is cool is like, you can be cool and not have to, oh, Mr. Kill, how was it when you got locked up? My dude, I don't know shit about jail, and I don't want to know shit about jail. Like, <laughs> I don't know what is wrong with y'all. Like, yo, ain't nothing cool about jail. I got to wake up and be around a bunch of dudes all the time. What, how does that sound fun? Not cool. Like, you know what I mean? So... You know, it gives me a chance to, while I'm cutting their hair, like, talk to them and put them, you know, like, this is how you need to treat a woman or, you know, this is how you need to do this. So you nervous about talking to a girl? Well, maybe try this. Like, all the things I didn't have, I want to make sure that they have. So, again, if they do cheat on their girl and then they come to me heartbroken, it's like, well, dude, I told you. Like, yep. this is, you You reap what you sow, you know. So, but, again, they can't say nobody told them like oh this is the way you should be as a young man or this is the way you should be in a, as a boyfriend and because all it does is turn around because I do marriage coaching all it does is turn around and make us horrible husbands right you know because now you think you can turn and turn off that switch like just because now you married and it don't work like that you know so I was like yo if I could and doing a marriage coach and I find most people have their issues with their childhood so I'm like if I can help get these kids lives straight maybe we could start getting some marriages that could last longer because you don't have all these issues from your childhood or whatever. So, right. you know, everything ties together somehow, some way. Well, so, so what I'm, what I'm getting from what you're saying is you, you're this, 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 this is the checklist that I'm getting. You decide to reward them for good behavior by giving them something that they necessarily can't have all the time. Now in doing that, you're gaining because your skills are getting better or staying sharp. So right. you're getting by giving, Boom, huge key feature in my life, huge key underlying bullet point to my life, right? And you're getting a chance to be in their lives in a different way because there is that special sphere, right, in the chair. Like, in the chair, there's a special relationship that happens. When right. you walk in my barbershop, we may talk about, you know, how the, about the game or how was your vacation, but when you get in my chair, it's like, what's really going on? Right, exactly. Oh, my wife wants me out, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, my son's real sick, man. He might have cancer. Or, or there's something real that happens there, and you're capturing that as well. And so you're speaking into their lives as children or, you know, young men in order to help them for later because you already help the other versions, the older versions of them now. So, I mean, this is just real. I don't know if you see it that way, but this is what I'm talking about. This is like, incredible sphere and it happens when somebody puts a cape on and you put a machine in my hand yeah i tell you b it's almost like truth serum yeah it's like truth serum as soon as you like you said you turn them clippers on it's just like you know we it's like barbers become your your counselor absolutely absolutely that that's what i am and, and i have been forever kill like forever like i remember being nine 
10? Nah, I had my own room, so I was actually probably 14. I'm trying to think when we split rooms, me and my brothers used to kill each other. <laughs> um, I think I was like 13 or 14. And my dad came in my room and he's talking to me about his marriage to my mother, which was always awful. And and I remember at that age being like, yeah, well, you got to do this and you got to do that. And, you know, and like, right, right, right. Like my mother told me when I was super young, like in kindergarten, or even before that, some kids spit in my face and she got called up by the principal or the, the teacher or whatever saying hey just so you know jake got spit on kids spit right in his eye and he didn't fight back or anything and so she i guess this is according to her i don't remember it she's asking me why i didn't fight him back why i didn't spit on him back or punch him and i said well i think he has a lot to say but he just doesn't know how to say it so he mm-hmm. so he just spit on me and she, right. like at that point i knew you were going to be some sort of psychiatrist account because <laughs> you're right four years old telling me that and Right. And so that's why and, and I'm a good listener and and I and I'm empathetic. I feel people's pain very very clearly and quickly when somebody's around me that's going through something. I feel it so hard that it's almost impossible not to talk about it. Right. And that's just the way it was, but I got off subject a little bit, but basically what I'm saying is that you know, this barbering thing is so much more than just and this is, and I'm speaking to the young cats. I'm speaking to these Instagram cats that want to be Instagram famous, I should say, because the cats that are Instagram famous are, are great. But the cats that are coming into this game, trying to be the next uh, celebrity barber, the next dude sponsored by XYZ, the next cat that cuts Diddy's hair, whatever it is, it's not about that. If you, if you get there, cool. If you don't, cool. Like, just take care of people. Like, I tell my guys all the time, two things to be successful. Be give consistently good haircuts. That's almost two things been self. Consistently great haircuts and don't be a dick. Right. That's all you gotta do. And I guarantee you're gonna make money. You're gonna have a long career. You're gonna um gain a friend circle that you never knew was possible. And you're gonna actually be happy because when you treat people good, you live the best life. Yep, you, know? you right. And so and so you know you know, I just think it's uh, it's really incredible, man. So, so all right. So let let me let me switch tables here a little bit, uh, switch topics a little bit. So I want to get your thoughts on this. This has been a theme that's been coming up for me over the last three weeks or so. And it started with one of my barbers who was super late, and he missed. He, he was late for his first client. And our rule is, if you're more than five minutes late for the first guy in the chair, then he gets a free cut because you know everybody's time is valuable, and you should. I like man. Should be recognizing that. I wish you would bring that rule down here to the DMV because these barbers down here don't. I swear to God. <laughs> oh, man. I swear, man. These barbers that have you waiting for two hours in there. That's man. how it is everywhere. We're rare, right? Like people, we're rare around here for that. But so he so he was he was going to be late because his girlfriend lives an hour away, stayed over her house, and there was a traffic jam. And so I brought it to his attention. I said, look, I understand. I'm not mad. It's fine. We're just going to give a free cut to whoever. Um you need to understand that some things are not your fault, but they're still your responsibility. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's a huge, been a huge theme that's been coming up for me lately because there's a lot in my life, you know, like I was talking about stories and the story you live by. And, and over the past three years, I've really changed who I was and changed my story from being a victim of a certain family situation to, to being somebody who realized, yeah, that happened. So what? Now what? You know what I mean? Right. So I don't know. What does that mean to you? Like, you know, is the, I understand it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to get through it, to show up a certain way, to do to do it the right thing from here out. I mean, I think the big thing is just having somebody to help you learn that. You know, because that's the thing, man. You know, it, it's you know, it's a biblical principle of um, Paul, John, and Barnabas. God, I may be messing up some biblical people, so don't kill me folk out there listening but you know the no 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 it was uh it was operation timothy so it's timothy moral to the story is there's three people a young dude a middle-aged dude and a yeah oh we lose you yeah. yeah yeah my fault man i think um my my alarm went off to remind me to take my meds i think that disconnected us okay yeah no problem so i can i can cut it and splice it and all that so all right but uh, so you were talking about the story, you're talking about a biblical story. Right. 
Right, the Paul Matthew. Um, God, let me get these people. I'm not even gonna try to get these people. Yeah. But the point is, is that you're what you're doing is you're instructing not only younger people because there are people who actually consider me their mentor, and I'm older than them. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're older than me. No, I got. You. I, yeah. I think what the the premise is is that if you don't teach. Oh, it's not your fault. It's still your responsibility. When people don't learn that, it freezes them, and it doesn't enable them to be able to learn how to take accountability right. for their own actions. You know, so they're living this life of "woe is me, woe is me." This happened to me. This happened to me, and it's like, you know, hey, bro, I'm I'm a hundred percent sorry that this happened to you, but what are we gonna do to make things better? You know what I mean? I'm 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 a hundred percent sad that you know your parents died when you were young and you grew up in foster care and things may have happened to you, you know. But how are we gonna move past this to turn this into a success story? You know, and I think a lot of times that jewel that you're dropping with them about, you know, it's still your responsibility starts to make them have to grow up. And the problem is you have a lot of grown folk out here who aren't grown yet because they're still blaming other people for their problems and it's hard to have a successful anything business marriage anything if you're still blaming people for things that happened 20 years ago if you're blaming for some somebody yeah. something happened last week you know because in some way or shape we play a, we, we play a part now whether you paid played a 90 percent part or you played a five percent part we played a part somehow some way you know what i mean and i think that that's where it's 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 just trying to get people to get unfrozen. And that's what happens for a lot of the parents in the community that I serve. Something happened and they've gotten frozen. And now, you know, they were raised a certain way, not saying it was necessarily right. Now they're doing that right. to their kids, you know. Um, you know, and, and those are the things I was saying the other day on Twitter. I was talking to my dad and I, I told him I loved him before I got off the phone. And my kids were like, Ew, you <laughs> yeah, tell your dad you love him you tell another man you love him and and i'm like yeah like but the funny part is is this is a reoccurring situation this happens all the time and i'm like we've been through this and they're just like i don't know how you tell another man i'm like yeah. it's my dad <laughs> like you know like but for them and it shows me how much of a love deficit mm-hmm. that they have like they just can't understand you know saying you they that you love them, you know, and you know, my mentee comes into my teen center and we'll talk. He'd be like, I right, love you. I'd be like, love you too. And my team's be like, hell, you tell kill you love him. And he was like, don't you love kill too? And they be like, yeah. And he'd be like, well, why don't you tell him? They'd be like, I don't know. I ain't gonna tell him I love him. Like, it's just like, you can't do it. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. you just can't do it, you know? And it's trying to teach them that, yo, it's totally okay. And I'm like, I get it. The first time my mentor told me he loved me, I was like, yo, dude, whoa, slow down, pause. Like, what? You love, well, you love who? Me? Like, all right, bro. But, you know, so I get it. Like, and that's the biggest thing that I think people just want somebody to say, right. I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get what you're going through. I yeah. get what you're saying. Like, I get it because for so many people, it falls on deaf ears, you know, and like you said, everybody's always talking, you know, and whether you're the bartender or you're the barber, you know, somebody's talking to you about something, you know, so this whole misconception that women have, like men don't talk. No, men may not talk to you, but (laughs) men talk. Don't get it twisted. You know what I mean? Like they talk, you know, and it's just trying to direct them in the right path. But that right there, that's a gem of, you know, it's your responsibility because, you know, there's so many men who, you know, in my marriage coaching now, cheating on their wives or want to leave. And I'm like, can you really look yourself in the mirror and say you tried everything? And nine times out of 10, the people are like, nah, I can't. Right. You know, I can't say I've tried everything. You know, or killed is her fault. One thing my pastor used to always say, and doing counseling all the years he's been doing, he said, I've never met a, a husband and a wife. And the wife comes in and says, you know what, pastor, what's going wrong yeah. in this marriage? It's my fault. Or a husband who comes in like, you know what, Pastor, we're here because right. of what I did wrong. Like, you don't, you never hear people take that accountability. Oh, you know, too hard. And it, it, it's be, it, yeah, it's too hard. And because at the end of the day, you may say, oh, well, I cheated on her because I couldn't get none. And well, you couldn't get none because da 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 da. And I'm just always trying to teach people just focus on you, just focus on being the best husband yep. you can be. 
You know what I mean? And 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 keep doing that and do things from the heart. You know, there's times in my, early on in my marriage, I do stuff, you know, just to get some. I'm going to do this to get some. And at the end of the night, I wouldn't get none. It took me years to understand that at the end of the day, God isn't going to bless nothing that's not, you know, coming from the heart. Like, are you really trying to help out around the house because you want to help your wife? Or are you really just helping around the house because you're hoping <laughs> to get some ass? Yeah. Well, that's it. You know, let me tell you something. They sense it. And if you they sense uh-huh. it. My my wife can yeah. read me like a book. Like she knows by the <laughs> way I walk up the steps, if she can hear the rhythm of my footsteps, how I'm showing up. So right. if I'm like moping and then I see her and I'm like, oh hey, and she's like, oh this dude's fake as hell. Like what? Like what? The hell <laughs> right, is he right, right. For and she has to feel me out for the whole rest of the night and versus just being like straight up, like yo, I had a wicked tough day. I don't want to talk about it right now. Um, I just want to see how these kids right. are doing, how you're doing, and then we can talk about it later if, if we have time. You know, being honest. Um, you know, one, one of the things I, I, I've talked to you about that Sterling Men's Weekend that I did, and that that was humongous yeah. for me because that that's when I started to learn the concept. And, um, you know, I was going through, when you sign up, you got to write down three changes that you want to try to get from the weekend. And um, I was talking about, well, my parents did this, my parents did that, and, and, and the guy that was helping me go through everything was like, yeah, that's that – Right off the bat, he's like, so when are you going to start taking ownership over that? I'm like, ownership over what somebody did to me? He's like, yeah, I'm like, how can I take ownership over right. what something over something that somebody did to me? And he's like, well, we'll get there, you know? And as I started to let this unfold, I started to realize, like, wow, like, whatever happened to my family happened. It has nothing to do with me. It didn't even happen to me. It just really hurt me right. when it happened, so... I use that as my reason to be X, Y, Z, whatever I was, you know, feeling like being. So um, I had to take responsibility for my actions and for where I was at in my own marriage because my marriage was in a really tough spot at the time. I was maybe married two or three years, three years maybe total, and it was not going well. We had two kids under the age of uh, four, you know, like it was it was just bad. And, like, I started to really take responsibility over what, what I was going to do, like, yeah, like I I see now, my wife was like, of course she was done. Like I was I was an idiot. Right. Like you said, like did you do everything you could? Well, I don't want to because she don't do this. You know what I mean? And and it's exactly. like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Being a man to me means taking responsibility over that which you're not even responsible for. Like beyond your yep. own life, beyond everything that you do, you have to also be responsible for whatever else is in your life. Like own it, be the owner. You know, and uh, so anyway, I could go on for hours about that. And it's not nah, but I mean, that's real. V. That's real. And I mean, I think that's why I mean, same thing. You know, our, me and my wife's first years was rough and it was, you know, other couples pouring into us and and trying to teach us stuff to just, you know, understand things better. And I mean, it takes a while. You know, one of my homegirls parents told me it's like, kill, you know, your marriage is like a child, you know, and when you're when you first have a baby, you know, the first four to five years of your life, that baby is looking at you for mm-hmm. everything. You know what I mean? And it takes so much time and effort. And, you know, so many people get into their marriage and it's like, oh, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And it's, you know, back in biblical times, you know, you'd get married and you'd go away mm-hmm. for a year, you know, to just get to know each other. Like, you know, whereas now that year has become a week uh-huh. honeymoon, you know, if, and, and I know a lot of people now who can't even afford the honeymoon after the, after the, after the ceremony so you know some people just get married and then they right back to work on monday you know so you're not even getting that chance to really you know learn each other you know and it's like well, what do we need to learn you know we've been together all these times and i tell people dating is like ncaa basketball marriage oh, yeah. is the nba it's a lot of dudes in the ncaa who are who are monsters yeah. you know then they come in the league and they disappear yep. in three years you know it's the same game but the stakes are high. <laughs> I got a similar you know I mean? metaphor. I just, I'm like, you, you you live together, but you're not married. Like, oh, it's the same thing. I go, no, no, no. You're, what you're doing is you're sitting at a table looking at one menu. What I'm doing, right. I own the restaurant. You understand the difference? You're sitting down yeah. looking at what you might want. I own the whole thing. You're in my domain. Yep. Like, you're not, you're not owning it, though. You're not there. And, uh. 
Nah, man. I, I got to cut this short. I could talk to you about this stuff for probably the rest of the <laughs> For the rest of the – exactly. The rest of the night, this, uh, Another time because I really enjoy what you're about, man. Um, it's just it's, – it's, it's super dope to connect with like-minded people. Um, and it and it's also gives me a lot of hope because sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm the only one awake fighting zombies. You know what I mean? <laughs> Nah, B. You, we, we, we in this fight together, B. Two different states, but still doing the same yeah. work, good brother. All right, man. Well, yo, tell them where they can check you out. Yo, check me out. We'll make beats for food.com. Everything is up there. All the episodes of my apartment B podcast. If you go to the website, um, you literally can just click on it. it it's tabs right at the top. You can click on um you can click on podcast. That'll bring up all the podcast episodes. Um, you got beats that'll, you know, you can see all the beats and everything up there. You can bring up um, the, 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 the mixes. I probably got over 160 mixtapes free yeah. up here. You know, crazy things. The best of Big Daddy Kane. Best almost Grand anybody. Poobah. Could, <laughs> yeah, Greston Pooba mixes up there. I'm working on a best of no ID uh-huh. mix right now. Best of Primo mixes, all that good stuff. Um, there's a directing tab up there. I, I've started shooting videos. I'm writing some scripts. Uh, I write record reviews. So literally, we'll make beats for food. It's the one-stop shop for everything that I do, beats, podcasts, everything. Um, Twitter is kill, K-I-L-889, same thing with IG. So, yo, just get at me, man. Just, you know, if you love hip-hop, sneakers, polo, I've, I've got so many different people who follow me for so many different <laughs> reasons, man. So if... if if you a hip hop head and you cut headed, those two good ends right there. Man. Yeah, man. Be good money. All right. Well, until next time, I'll catch up with you folks. And um, as always, um, you know, email me. You got any questions or just want to wrap up on anything? I'd love to help people get into barber school or navigate through the process of finding a job. Um, it's jakecutsfresh at gmail.com and then jake underscore cuts underscore fresh on IG and Twitter. Best ways to get at me. So until next time, appreciate you listening. Peace.